Amen. I just want to remind you that we have two weeks left of our combined Sunday school classes on how to share your faith. This is a very important week for you to come because this week we'll be talking about what will happen next week, which will be our outreach week of Sunday school class. And we're going to have some yard signs we have made up and a lot of stuff like that that we're going to bring this Sunday school hour next, that right after this, that you can put in your yard, invite people to church, some different things like that. So we want you to be here for sure during the Sunday school hour. Even if you missed all the other ones, come to this one today. It'll be the most important one of the whole series. So please come and be part of that if you can. And let's open our Bibles together today to the book of Luke. Book of Luke in chapter 8. So this morning, we're going to look at what happens when Jesus comes to town. I've been thinking about this an awful lot because of what God is doing in this church. God is doing an awful lot in this church. We're seeing a lot of people come to faith in Christ. When I see that happen, then I know that Jesus has come to town. I know that Jesus is showing up. I see people being unified. I see people coming and, and um, repenting of sin. And when that happens, I know that Jesus is coming to town. I know that Jesus is showing up. <clears throat> so we're going to have to deal with some hard things this morning. I, I was just really kind of wrestling with this message this week because we're going to deal with some difficult things. Some difficult things that happen whenever Jesus comes to town. When Jesus comes to town. Now, in the context of what we're looking at in, uh, in Luke chapter 8, one of the things that we will notice is that this happens just after the wind and waves obey Jesus. So here's kind of the story, and then we'll pick it up. Here's what happens. Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. He promises them they're going to the other side. They get in the boat on the way to the other side. The storm kicks up. The boat's about to sink. The wind and waves are, are howling. Jesus gets up. He comes from the bottom of the boat, and he, and he causes the wind and waves to cease. And then he takes the boat to the other side. I don't believe it's any coincidence. I don't believe it's any coincidence that the storm happened and that the boat was about to seek and that it seems like the enemy's attack against the disciples and Jesus was at its peak while they were on the sea just before he gets to the other side because the enemy did not want him to get to the other side. And then Jesus gets to the other side of the lake. As he gets to the other side of the lake, let's read what happens. Beginning in verse 26, let's read what happens. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadareans, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. 
And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by a demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because, we, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command the that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the side of the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And, he, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and drowned. So this is a setting. And I want you to get the picture of what's going on in the text. Jesus gets to the region of the Gadareans. He gets there and uh, he's actually confronted. Matthew's gospel tells us about another man that was there with this demon-possessed man. There's another demon-possessed man there with him as well. Mark's gospel tells us that there were actually 2,000 swine. That's how many this huge herd was. And then they're confront Jesus as soon as he steps out onto, this, onto the land. You almost get the picture that whenever the boat pulls up on the beach, the boat pulls up on the beach, Jesus steps out of the boat. And as soon as his foot hits that wet sand on the edge of Galilee, it sends a shock wave throughout the region. And when it sends the shockwave throughout the region, immediately he's confronted by demons. It's as if, just like the field, the picture here, in the springtime, it's as if you're walking through a field in the springtime and as you begin to walk through the field in the springtime, gra grasshoppers and crickets begin to jump everywhere this way and that way and rabbits begin to scurry off and, and it seems like there's life all around because of your presence there. I believe that's what it was like when Jesus' foot hit the ground. It sent that shock wave and then the problem came problem came. This picture, this man, there were actually two of them, but picture them. This man was actually demon possessed with a demon named Legion, which could have meant up to 6,000, between 1,000 and 6,000 demons. And this man was naked. This man was stark naked. This man was wild. This man was hairy. This man was an absolute insane man. He comes running and he, he cuts himself in the tombs and he, he's scarred all over his body and he breaks the shackles and he's problematic to the whole community. He's problematic to the whole community because we know this about people. No matter how far back you go in history, people want to gather around water. 
<laughs> they want to live on the beach. The industry of the Sea of Galilee at that time would have been where all of the fishermen would gather and everything, and no one could even pass by that way. He had the beachfront property locked up. He was problematic to the Gadareans. This guy was a problem. Not only that, but the Bible says that he didn't have a house, but he lived in the tombs. So as he's living in the tombs, we get this picture that you can't even go to visit the dead. You know, a graveyard to me is one of the most peaceful places. My kids used to tease me because uh, when we lived in a certain place, I would always go eat breakfast in the graveyard. I'd go sit down, I'd grab my breakfast, I'd go sit down and eat my breakfast in the graveyard, and they would say, Dad, why in the world would you do that? Who does that? Who eats breakfast at the graveyard? I said, people who don't want to be bothered. <laughs> Nobody bothers you in a graveyard. It's peaceful, right? You couldn't visit this tomb. You couldn't visit this graveyard because there was a wild man there. Imagine when you had to have a funeral. Who's going to be the pallbearer? You might be attacked by a wild, demon-possessed man. So he's problematic to the community. I want to give you this morning three things that happen when Jesus comes to town. Three things that happen. And there's much an encouragement as a warning. Fair warning, because there might be some things we don't expect that will happen, and it might be an encouragement because there's some things that need to happen that will happen, okay? But when Jesus comes to town, he deals with the problems that nobody will talk about. Can you imagine the chamber of commerce at the place of Gadareans, you know? Could you imagine? Come live with us. Live in the region of the Gadareans. Come enjoy our beaches with wild, crazy, demon-possessed people. No, no. They, they did not want to deal with the problem. They did not want to acknowledge the problem. Let me ask you a question. What kind of family did you grow up in? Well, how did your family deal with problems? How do they deal with? Some families deal with problems and they just go crazy, man. They just, they just let it all hang out and they hear it all out and they talk about it and stuff like that. And, and we might think that's dysfunctional, but at least they're dealing with it, right? Some churches are like that. They just kind of air it out and see what's on their mind and they deal with problems. And some communities are like that. What's true for the family is true for the church. It's true for the community in this case. And, uh, you know, I wonder though, you know what a lot of families, you know how a lot of families deal with conflict in their home growing up? They don't. They have a strict policy that the skeletons are in the closet for a reason. Please keep them there and lock it tight. Nobody, nobody deal with the issue at hand. Nobody really acknowledge what's going on and deal with the problem. Just leave the problem, lock it away, keep it tight. Let me tell you something, friend. That demon that lives down by the, down by the tombs and down by the lake that nobody wants to deal with, if Jesus 
shows up in town, he's going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it. He is not going to ignore it. And I don't know what that may be in your family. Maybe there's something like that in your family. Maybe there's not. But perhaps there's something in your family that nobody wants to deal with. And if you let Jesus show up and down, he's going to deal with it. Same thing is true for the church. There are things in churches that, that you could be there for the next 50 years and nobody will tell you what it is. But when Jesus shows up in town, one of the things he's going to do is he's going to deal with the problems that no one else will. The other thing that he does is he deals with it and he calls it by name. I find it interesting. Jesus doesn't always do this and, and he does this in this case. He, he asks the demon what his name is. And I thought, that's strange. Usually when Jesus was casting out a demon, he just told him to shut up and get out. But in this particular case, he tells the demon, tell me your name. Why in the world does he do that? I thought, I thought that's, that's a strange and odd thing to do. He already knew this demon's name. Why would he ask this demon's name? Let me tell you why he asked the demon's name. To point out the fact that Jesus is going to call it by its name. Jesus is going to call it by what it is. We call it a lot of different things. We may call sin by a thousand different names. We may call them by a thousand different colorful euphemisms so that we don't judge folks. But when Jesus Christ shows up, he will look it in the eye and he will call it by its rightful name. He will proclaim it for exactly what it is so that it might be drugged, kicking and screaming into the light so that he may deal with it. And friend, he doesn't do that because he's mean. He does that because he loves you. He loves me. And he's going to call whatever that sin is by its rightful name and drag it into the light. That's what he does. When Jesus shows up into town, he deals with the problem. It says in Numbers 32, 23, that we should not cover our sin, but that our sin would be revealed. Let's go ahead and turn there just for a moment. I am mistaken. I got the verse wrong. Nevertheless, it says in Proverbs, he who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And Jesus will call it out by his name. Whatever we do in the dark, he will drag into the light whenever he comes to town. The scripture goes on to say this. In verse 34 it says, 
And when those who fed them, after he cast out the demon, cast it into the herd of swine, the swine runs down and drowns. It says in verse 34, when those who fed them saw what happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and it came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadareans asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and he returned. See, he deals, with, he deals with the problems when he comes to town, but then the other thing that he does is he exposes the hearts of people. He exposes the heart. These people were gripped with great fear. And their response, the first ones, the ones who saw this happen to the pigs, the ones who were feeding the pigs, what happened to them is they fled into the town. They ran away. And that's one possible response that you can have today to what you hear. Whatever it is God is wanting to deal with in your life, he, you can run away from it. They ran away and they told the people in the city, they told the people in the country what had happened and how this man was healed. They were very afraid. They ran and then all of the people in the surrounding region came to see what had happened and it says they were seized with great fear. Why in the world were they afraid? It seems like they should have been afraid of the demons, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like they should have been afraid of the demons? You know what happens though? Sometimes we get so used to the chaos in our lives and sometimes we get so used to the chaos in our either community or our church or whatever it may be, we get so used to the chaos that we are more comfortable dealing with the demons than we are dealing with the Savior. That's the truth. Man, they knew how to deal with demons. They've been dealing with demons the whole time. They knew exactly what to do about the demons, but they did not know what to do about the Savior. And they were more comfortable dealing with the demons than they were dealing with the Savior. Sometimes that's the way it is with us. These people were seized with great fear. Some ran away. Some were afraid. Why were they afraid? Well, I don't know, but you know what? I know people are afraid of change. I know that. I know people are afraid of change. Sometimes that change is what seizes them with fear. Not only are sometimes people afraid because of that, but you know, sometimes folks are afraid of losing their position or their power. And you know, there, there, are, <laughs> there are people that are afraid of those kind of things because I wonder how many of those folks, I wonder how many of them were religious folks who maybe they were okay with the demon down there because as long as he was down there, they knew that they were better than that. I've been in places like that. I've seen that to where here's what happens. We can seem real high and spiritual sometimes. We can feel ourselves full and seem high and spiritual because of the problem up the road, and at least we're not as bad as that. Because of the problem down the street, at least we're not as bad as them. 
because of our neighbor that lives just across from us or maybe the person who sits in the pew next to you. And as long as I'm better than them, I'm still okay. But once they get saved, <laughs> then we got to deal with ourselves. I, I wonder how this happens. But I think that whenever there's a problem in the community, like this demon-possessed man, if you follow me with this for just a minute, I think what happens is it can distract us from the real issues. You know, it can distract us from our heart issues. Let's do a history lesson for just a minute. Please forgive me for doing this, but I need to do a history lesson with you because I believe this church is on the edge of revival. I believe this church is on the edge of, of seeing some great and tremendous things. I believe you're right there on the edge and I don't want us to repeat history. I don't want us to repeat history. Let's do a history review. Begin to interview with people in the church. Begin to talk about past hurts. Begin to talk about past division. Begin to talk about things that need to be healed. There are a lot of past hurts. There, are a lot of, uh, there were a lot of hard things. Hard things that people went through. But then I began to ask when those hard things happened. And you know, all of those hard things began to happen and surface. All of those hurt feelings that began, all of that began about the same time that this church was dealing with the porn store up the road. Now, why do you think that is? Well, certainly one reason is because Satan didn't like what you were doing. But can I share with you how he attacked your church? He attacked your church by allowing that to distract you from what was going on in here with hurt feelings and interactions with other people within your own body of Christ. That's what happened. Could it be that these Gadareans have been distracted so long by the demon up the road that where they weren't dealing with their own stuff, some of them at least, they weren't dealing with their own stuff. And then when Jesus showed up into town, he began to deal with the problem that no one else would talk about, whatever that problem is, I don't know what it is. But he began to deal with that problem, and the people were terrified. What would happen if Jesus actually showed up? Then they began, to, they began to ask him to leave. Says they were afraid and they who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed. And then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadareans asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and he returned. 
See, Jesus exposes the problem, but then Jesus exposes the hearts of people. And that can be painful and difficult. And then they asked him, please depart from us. And I wonder if there was a time in your life, maybe in here, I don't know. I don't know where you are with the Lord right now. I don't know any of your hearts. But could it be that there was a time in your heart and in your life when God was dealing with you so strong and God was talking to you and you knew God was dealing with you and you knew God was telling you things and you knew God was growing you in Christ. You knew God was doing something big in your life. And then there was a time when you said, that's enough, I want you to depart from me. I can't handle it anymore. I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid of how my life might change. I'm afraid of how it might impact my life. If you really got a hold of my my heart. I'm afraid of what might happen. Would you please depart? One of the things about the Holy Spirit of God, friend, is He is a gentleman. He'll leave you alone if you ask Him to. But He'll also come back if you ask Him to. Was there a time in your life when you asked him to depart? Leave me alone. I don't want to deal with that sin in my life. I don't want to deal with that problem in my life. I don't want to deal with that problem in my family. I don't want to deal with that problem in my church. Leave me alone. And you need to ask him to come back to that spot and deal with it. For your good and his glory, let him deal with it. Whatever it is. See, he does at least three things when he shows up. He exposes the problem and calls it by name. Then he exposes the hearts of people and drags that into the light. But lastly, and I think probably most gloriously, this is what he does. It says in verse 38, Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city the great things Jesus had done for him. What is it that Jesus has done for you that you need to proclaim? What is it that Jesus has done in your life that you need to proclaim? God has done something great in your life and what is it you need to tell someone about that he has done for you? What is it? See, the last thing that he does is he makes witnesses out of the most unusual people, out of the people that you would never expect. He calls people to be witnesses to himself that you would never expect. You might have thought that he would have got to town and he would have picked the mayor. You might have thought that he would have got to town and he would have picked the religious leaders. You might have thought that he would have got to town and he would have picked the business owners or the wealthy people that, that lived there. You might have thought that he would have picked the industry leaders there. But you know what? When Jesus got to town, he looked at a man who was naked, who had been bound by demons, the Bible says, a long time. 
a man who had broken off all the bonds, a man who they could not tame, the Bible says in the book of Mark, a man who was absolutely a wild, dangerous, crazy man. He took him, he looked at him, and he delivered him, and then he said, I want you. I want you to be my witness. I choose you to be my witness. He chose the most unlikely out of the whole group to be a witness for him. There are people that maybe God's called into ministry. They've been hindering and quenching the spirit of the living God. God's called them and here they are and and at some point they said, I don't want to do that. Depart from me. And he said, no, I chose you. You need to surrender to me. Maybe there's some folks who you would say, you know what, I know God's calling me to be a witness. I just can't hardly believe it. I, I know He's calling me to share my faith. I just can't believe He'd choose me. Well, you know what? He chooses the most unlikely people. And He saves the hardest of people. You may be here today and you may think you're unsavable. You may think you're unredeemable. You may think He's never going to save you, but you know what? He chooses and saves the most unlikely people, just like this man. Has God spoken to you about this this morning? Is there something in your life that you need to deal with during this time? Folks, I believe Jesus is coming to town. I believe He wants to deal with some things in our life, in our church, in our homes, our families. Why not let Him deal with it now? During this time. During the time of invitation. Why not let Him deal with it then? Pray with me.